This is exactly right. My favorite murder. It's the mini sode. Oh. This is the one where you send us stories and we read them aloud back to you. We sure do. You want to go first? Sure. The subject line of this email that we got sent is silly branding almost killed me. <laughs> Hi, Karen, Georgia, and the rest of y'all. Hope all is well and everyone is staying safe and getting vaccinated. I grew up in upstate New York, the Adirondacks, during the early 2000s. So I was always exploring and the kid who everyone thought was kidnapped during hide and seek because I hid for a little too long. <laughs> As a kid, I was nonverbal, so that didn't help. Hmm. And then in parentheses, it says teachers thought I was deaf, so they sent me to a deaf academy and realized I wasn't deaf when I stood up when a fire alarm was going on. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> then it just says that being said, dot, dot, dot. One summer day, my four-year-old self was playing in my family friend's shed when I saw a large metal can with soda branding on it. Of course, I decided to drink it because I'm stupid. <laughs> My mom's friend, Tita, found me in her yard, passed out a few minutes later because I accidentally drank racing fuel gasoline. <gasps> the race car on the can's label was sponsored by Pepsi. Oh, I couldn't verbalize what happened, but I pointed to the can when my Tita woke me up. Oh, <laughs> She didn't want to call 911 because she was undocumented. Oh so she gave me Ipecac syrup, yep. put her fingers down my little throat <sighs> and pushed on my stomach until she smelled the fuel come back up. Oh, my God. I ended up throwing up all over her yard and she thought that was the end of that. But that night, her dog ended up eating my vomit and then in parentheses, sorry, this is gross. Oh, and, my God. And got sick as well. Thankfully, the dog and I survived that day because of my Tita. Oh. Now I'm 22 years old and graduated with my BFA in graphic design, working as a branding slash packaging designer. <laughs> so hopefully I won't make the same mistake as that branding designer made. Thank you both for always cheering up my days with your excellent storytelling and humor. Stay safe. Don't put food slash soda labels on lethal fluids. And then parentheses. I think this type of branding is illegal now. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> but also don't be the kid who drinks it. No. With love. Melanie. It's Melanie, not on you. What an epic story of why, why I can't believe in the early 2000s they weren't better at diagnosing and sending them to specialists, first of all. Oh, because she could have gotten I mean, so much help that wasn't available because of simple adults not fucking doing their jobs, right? Look, okay. The, the American school system is, is at issue at the top of this. But to yeah. me, I think what Melanie learned the lesson of, but we should all keep in mind, is if you're in an old shed, drink nothing. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, also, there's a context clue situation here where, yes, 
there was Pepsi branding. Yeah. But that's going to happen sometimes in life. <laughs> and you have to know if you're in a shed, there's no beverages. There's no fresh beverages. I bet she anybody. never made that mistake again. A. So it was a I learning experience. Did. I also now can we move on to the topic of immigration and how this is what happens when people are too scared. Same with sex work, too scared to report that their issues because they'll be uh, they'll be the the issue and be victimized. Let's talk about yeah. that. So many issues. And pray, let's praise Epicac, everyone who has children. Yeah, I was going to say, now the final issue, letting your dog eat barf, which <laughs> is right. We can't be with them all the time. <sighs> I, You know, this is this is a jam packed, fully layered email <sighs> from Melanie. I don't know. That how then has it. like the beautiful lesson at the end of like, now I'm a graphic designer. So <sighs> that never happens to any child in a shed ever again. It's with a their story tita. of hope. Melanie, thank you for writing that in. What a gorgeous layered story <laughs> she did it <laughs> thank you for writing that to us all right this is all mine are about parents <laughs> which is always a good thing uh this is called the time my husband blew up his best friend hey hey all y'all and welcome to the clan cookie thank you in a recent minisode you asked for the dumbest thing you saw another kid do when you were a kid or something like that i don't i know you probably don't remember exactly and anything goes at this point so i'm not going back and transcribe it verbatim hey no one's asking it to <laughs> calm down <laughs> very defensive uh this isn't technically that but it is the dumbest thing i've ever heard of a kid doing and it involves my husband more than a decade before i would meet him this is a little graphic by the way Let's set the scene. It is 1983 in suburban Philadelphia, a middle class neighborhood whose residents were mostly cops and firefighters and where all of the children were latchkey. My husband was 12 and his neighborhood best friend at the time was C. We'll use initials to protect the dumbassness. Uh, the son of a cop. In Philly, like in most big cities, fireworks were contraband and the police would regularly stop kids and confiscate their stashes. Once confiscated, at least back in the 80s, some cops would not destroy said fireworks or put them away for safekeeping in some Indiana Jones style warehouse, but instead bring them home to their own kids to play with. Then <laughs> it says, try not to be too shocked at the hypocrisy. So C has a access to all of these stolen fireworks and somehow my husband managed to convince C to not set them off as soon as we they were brought home, but instead hoard them. And like the child with the most self-control in the marshmallow experiment, save them for a bigger, better reward. Know where this is going. My husband, as he tells it, had a vision. He had a plan. And that plan was that my husband, along with C and T, another accomplice, would dig a giant hole in my husband's backyard, a deep hole that would require three preteen boys to dig. They would then fill the hole with fireworks, cover the pile of illegal explosives, uh, explosives with a mound of dirt, light a long wick placed in the hole from a safe distance, and then enjoy the fruits of their labor. A fireworks display worthy of the city that birthed independence. How well this how well is, is this a, written? <laughs> well, it, it, great. Uh, uh, but I was going to say, this is straight up Wiley Coyote shit of like, these are boys that watched a cartoon. Uh -huh. uh, sorry, where are you getting that wick? That's made up. Oh, like, yeah, all of this is is completely from cartoons. Well, if one of them has a firefighter dad, then they probably know how to make it out of tools that I can't even pretend to 
makeup. As a person with a firefighter dad, <laughs> I say probably not. Chances are probably okay, not. Fair enough. And then it says, however, period. I know where this is going. See place the fish, the finishing touches on the mound of dirt covering the hole. And against my husband's instructions, see lit the wick while standing over the mound. This is why children should not have access. There was an explosion. They got that part right. And it blew C across the yard, taking <laughs> most of the skin on his legs with it. Yeah. Mi- uh, bare mints. Are yes. you not surprised by this? Okay. <laughs> but the dumbassery, but the dumbassery doesn't stop there because my husband and T, the other kid, fully realizing the gravity of this situation. God, these stories, our first stories are so similar. Did not call an ambulance or even C's parents. Instead, they helped him back across the street to his his own home, put C on the couch, sprayed his legs down with solicane. No, solarcane. That's for sunburns. It's for sunburns. I didn't know that. I'm from California and I didn't know that, which explains a lot. Because you tan, you tan, you don't burn. Oh, so you right. have to have a, a, a childhood of sunburns. But yeah, solar cane on exposed, broken skin is not, oh, you're well, not supposed to. We got Epicac. We got solar care. We've oh. got kids. Okay. Um, covered him with a blanket. Which is so bad for burnt skin, of course. Oh, and there's tur- going to be a lot, a lot of lint in those open wounds. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And turned on the people's court. And Hell then yeah. these two kids, they went to the movies. Bye. Bye. When, yeah. C's, when C's mother, who thank God was a nurse, came home hours later, she found C in shock and covered in third degree burns. Yeah. Yeah. And she called the much needed ambulance. C spent the rest of the summer in the hospital having skin removed from his ass to create skin grafts for his oh. legs, his little legs. Oh. This, is why oh, we, this is why we don't do latchkey anymore. No, yeah. Uh, this is why fireworks are illegal. This is why cartoons aren't the same as they used to right. be. Like, there's so many. This is so, it's an anachronistic uh, <laughs> little anecdote of horror. Yeah. Um, and yet, see, he never snitched. And my husband and he never faced any consequences for b- blowing C up and leaving him for dead. Wait, so, okay. Kids, man. What you say it, you're totally right, whatever it is. Just then what co- cover story? I blew my own legs up alone? I think so, man. This kid wouldn't snitch. <sighs> he's no rat. He know, he's in Philadelphia. I feel like you get taught. I, it'd be one thing if they were all like, oh, we're super scared and we're upset and this is horrible. Those two motherfuckers went to the movies. Yeah. I wonder what they Assholes. saw. Indiana Jones. Ass- Assholes. Fuck it. I hope they, I hope they went, yeah, Indiana Jones. And then when the part, when they open the arc and the guy's face melts, I hope they uh, both started crying. Oh my God. Oops. I hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, kids, man. Thank you all for the podcast. Your humor, your friendship, your compassion, and your honesty. You've been a safe harbor during this dark storm. Stay sexy and don't blow up your friends. Therese O. <sighs> yeah. Tail. I mean, I hopefully was it C the burned child? Yes. I mean, hopefully this is like a story he enjoys telling these mm-hmm, days, and mm-hmm. it's that vibe. It's quite a. If he's the best man, and and she or whoever's wedding, that's his speech. Is here's yeah. how much I love him. I never snitched, mom. Guess what? 
I'm not seeing that those friendships, you know, <laughs> continuing through into junior high. I'm just not. I, it doesn't seem likely. It's a What's rough the... tale to tell. Maybe I should. <laughs> what have you, told as it. you lay as you lay in that hospital, you'd just be like, huh? Yeah, maybe better I decisions. I don't think so. Are in my future. Uh, I, you know what? It's because we asked for these. That's why yeah. this all is like a theme with our kind us. of love. Yeah. So continuing with. Oh, I won't read you the subject okay. line because it gives it away, but it just says it something violent and then it says lighthearted. <laughs> Hello. My brother and I spent our early childhood in southern Alaska. And for that reason, we were usually running wild and playing in the woods around the property line. I was about five and my brother was like three ish when one day mm. we were climbing a tree that had half fallen. Mm. You don't want it fallen all the way because that would be too safe. Yeah, that'd be that'd be too too close to the ground for a three and five year old. Um, <laughs> we got three, three. Oh, I was, you're in charge, five year old. Yeah, good luck. And you know, all, you know those things you don't know anything about, like horrifying slivers or poisonous spiders. Mm -hmm. Go find out on your own. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so it says it was slanting enough to where two little kids could shimmy up and hang about five feet from the ground. Who knows what he was doing, but my brother did something to make me mad and I gave him a shove. He fell right out of the tree and onto his back. Ugh. I immediately did the, oh shit, you're okay, you're okay routine when my brother sat up with a big grin on his face. Do that again, oh, he cried happily. He's a toddler. Sorry, he's not a kid. That is a toddler. Uh, okay. So I called him back up. He shimmied, stood on up on the fallen tree and I gave him another good shove. He's like, that makes my brain feel good. When it wobbled. He fell again. Oh, my God. It was right then that my mom looked out the kitchen window, <laughs> convinced I was trying to actively kill my brother, parentheses, and her favorite child. Let's be oh. honest. She sped walked out the front door toward us in that specific way moms do when you're about to fucking get it. I <laughs> oh, my God. It's very specific. Yeah. Uh, I tried to explain myself, but she was already checking on my brother and simultaneously telling me off. Mm. I'm sure I was grounded or something, but I can't really remember the um, past the part where my mom caught me pushing a literal three year old out of a tree because he asked me to <laughs> stay sexy and don't push your siblings off of anything, even if they ask you to. Grace, here's what here's how I would end that. If you put a five-year-old in charge, it's your fault as the adult that they did something, not their fault <laughs> until they're like 16. It's on you, parent. It's yeah, because if she had sent those two kids out into just an empty flat field, mm -hmm. then then everything's good. But if you're looking out into that field and there's all kinds of like active yeah. nature yeah. danger. Yeah, she you can't really. She knew the terrain. Remember when either, we used the, either the sister was going to push him out of the tree or nature was going to push him out of the tree. Remember when we would babysit at babies at 11, at mm -hmm. 10 years old at 11? Sure. And then they'd put two of them together that were friends. So it's like a 22 year old if you add their their ages together. If that's the way it works. Sure. <laughs> that's a way you could rationalize it. Uh, All right. OK. Spray first. Apologize later. Lighthearted. What up, MFM? I'll try to keep this as Reader's Digest version as I can. My mom and I are very close, meaning she wasn't the best at parenting, so we hung out quite a bit. That's how it goes. 
<laughs> we had to move around a lot due to insufficient funds literally all the time. At one point we were moving and my mom and I had a couple of Mike's special lemonades going through our junk to quote, get rid of and quote, no, wait, I might use that soon now that I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. In which I found a pepper spray can. I had never actually used one before and I began inspection to get me out of actually packing. Mom was talking to me about how she had it just in case, but let's be real. It was in a box of tangled string and loose clips. <laughs> really safe. I had seen an expiration date of three years prior to when this happened. So I laughed out loud and said to mom, hey, I wonder if this still works. <laughs> then I proceeded to lightly tap the trigger thing. And then all caps, I pepper sprayed my mom. <laughs> she was screeching like a banshee and I couldn't help that awkward combo of I'm so sorry through hardcore laughing. Yes. After a so handful of minutes, we managed to get her eyes to open comfortably. <laughs> Thank whoever she was laughing at the end, too. I can't help but think about your you ladies' relationships with your mothers. And maybe Georgia can get a better closeness with her mom if she pepper sprayed her. Definitely. Thank you all for everything. And sincerely, I love listening and showing my mom your episodes while we hang out. I truly am happy you guys exist. Hmm. Karen, I hope your mom won't look down at me and be mad that I didn't offer to take my mother to the hospital, which probably should have been an option. Stay sexy and pepper spray your mom, Brooklyn. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good learning experience. What I think is funny is Brooklyn never said how old they were. Yes. So. <laughs> At the beginning, when the, the Mike's Hard Lemonade thing came up, I'm like, is this girl nine? Yeah. Like, is this like one of those kind of stories? Yeah, I thought so too. Oh, well, yeah, I bet she worked through years of um, resentments <laughs> in one quick, <laughs> one quick pepper spray. One little. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. Goodbye. 
There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Okay. This last one that I was so excited to get to, (laughs) the subject line is the human dartboard. Oh, fuck. You asked for stories of crazy shit people have witnessed other people getting stuck in their bodies. (laughs) Boy, (laughs) I don't remember that and I don't know what it means. (laughs) It's... Crazy shit people have witnessed other people getting stuck in their bodies. This must have been a a riff on all the things we were saying last time of like, because there was a a bunch of great ones that were um, uh, like, of of course, you idiot. Like, why would you do that kid stuff? Yeah, I I think this was this was like an addition to I was thinking of when you have those night waking nightmares and you can't move your body and you're stuck in your body, not things stuck in your body. Now I understand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, things for coming from the outside and going in. <laughs> uh, okay. 
years ago, my friends and I lived immediately next to a college we never attended, parentheses, but I am banned from. Different story. Whoa. Now. <laughs> naturally, our, naturally, our neighbors were a mix of party people, stoners, and a few stray families. The school's lacrosse players lived across the way and were always doing unusual things in front of open windows. Mm. One afternoon in early spring, we decided to watch the block jocks while smoking weed as we refinished a coffee table. Think of a bunch of drunk 20 year olds tanning on a muddy lawn during what we call fake spring in Buffalo. Two, uh, two guys were being particularly rowdy and one quickly stood up as if he were summoning the other guy to a duel. He gave the th a third guy his beer, motioned watch this and walked a few paces as his opponent moved toward the center of the sidewalk mm. in one swift motion lax bro extraordinaire launched a dart directly <laughs> into his friend's bare chest yes a real dart in his chest oh my god this dude seemed kind of surprised and immediately looked down to see the dart sticking out of his pectoral muscle oh. after taking a second to process what had just happened to him the young gun decides to whip out his phone and take a selfie uh. i can only assume that was posted with an underwhelming hashtag the party immediately resumed and he walked around with the dart in his chest for some unknown period of time thereafter obviously we didn't do anything because our stoned asses were so shook that we weren't fully sure it happened in the first place <laughs> all in all i'm glad he was fine but damn was that planned stay sexy and get consent before impaling your friends uh, kate uh, uh i don't have words for that one but it's it's pretty broy. It's pretty intense and broy. I like that we might go down a, a direction like this. It opens up a whole world of sto bro stories yeah. that could be very fun. Bro also, stories. I like yeah. I like the attitude of the guy oh, that yeah. got darted, where he's just like, "This is a this is an important moment for all of us." Yeah, like let's capture this and really remember it in the future. And I'm not going to let dart thrower one up me. I'm going to wear this as a badge of honor inside of my body. And maybe get an infection, but it's gonna, right. But it's worth it. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, my last one is a little long, but I'm really happy to tell it because it's actually my dad's story. And we were doing stories about jobs and parents and all sorts of things. And so I was like, tell me my favorite. Tell will you write your favorite, my favorite story about you that you've he told me since I was a kid and he did it. And I might cry. Okay. By Martin Marty Hardstark, he wrote. Like most of my high school buddies, no, no entry. I had no idea what to do after graduating in the summer of 1963. I was in the best of students, so no plans for college. Besides, my family encouraged me to get a real estate license and join my uncle's residential development company in Los Angeles. That meant starting at the bottom, cleaning up construction sites. No thanks. Many of my friends were joining various military reserves, Army, Navy, Air Force, because besides a sense of adventure, it was a good way to get some training and experience for six months instead of the usual three or four year commitment. Also, we weren't at war with anyone at the time, which made it relatively safe. So at the tender age of 17 and a half, with my parents' permission, I signed up for the Army Reserve and shipped out to Fort Ord in Central California for basic training. I won't bore you with all the details of Army life and weekend reserve unit meetings plus summer camp war games, but I must say that looking back at, at it all now, it was definitely a major blast, especially because I was in a tank unit. 
Unfortunately, the world changes and the United States becomes more and more involved in the Vietnam War. I had read a few things about the history of that country and their struggle for independence as a former French colony. I was against the war and would attend peace rallies knowing I might be arrested, beaten or even shot. In 1965, the number of troops being sent to Vietnam was going up fast, and the feeling at the time was that it would continue to increase even more rapidly. The draft hit a lot of guys like a wet mop in the face. The possibility of combat in the jungles of Southeast Asia scared the shit out of millions of young men who couldn't get a deferment. The reserve units were now full and only a temporary shelter if President Johnson decided to call up the reserves and National Guard to active duty. Fast forward to 1967, there is now at least half a million U.S. troops fighting in Vietnam, and the number was still growing. That summer, not to my surprise, I received a certified letter from the Army Reserve Commander informing me that my unit had been disbanded, and I had 30 days to join another reserve unit or be called to active duty. They needed bodies, and this was a less dramatic way for the generals to activate the reserves without the negative publicity of calling up entire units at the same time. The gig was up. After considerable detective work and networking, I was able to find an Air Force Reserve unit that needed a breakfast cook, of all things. <laughs> breakfast specifically? Yeah, a breakfast huh? cook. Weird, right? Lo and behold, I had worked part time at a local coffee shop washing dishes slash cooking and learned the art of omelet pe preparation. The place was famous for its four egg omelet loaded with your choice of condiments. But the most important part for the cook was being able to crack two eggs in each hand without a piece of shell falling into the omelet. Fortunately, I was able to schedule an interview with the mess sergeant at an Air Force Reserve base a few hours drive from my home. When I entered the mess hall, I was instructed to complete an application and wait until my name was called for a demonstration of my cooking skills in front of the mess sergeant. There must have been 25 other guys waiting their turn, some even wearing chef whites. Most of them were also reservists looking for a new unit. So basically they had to join another unit or they or it was disbanded. Like all of them were disbanded and then they get sent. So as I waited in line, I wondered what kind of cooking skills they wanted to see and began to doubt my ability to get the position. One of my common reactions to being under pressure. Then I remembered the words of my dear mother when I was in doubt about my ability to overcome major life obstacles. Bigger dummies than you have done it. With those words, I heard my name called and walked over to the grill in front of the mess sergeant who was sitting down with a cigar permanently stuck in the corner of his mouth. He looked me directly in the eyes and asked in the most serious tone, what was my specialty? I told him that I could break two eggs in each hand at the same time while preparing a four egg omelet without a single piece of the shell falling into the pan. The mess sergeant was impressed since none of the other candidates offered to prepare a similar concoction. I surveyed the cooking area and decided to fry the eggs on the grill rather than a pan since all of them had already been used. This was unknown territory. After washing my hands, putting on an apron and head cover, I cleaned the grill and spread cooking oil on a small section. I selected a bowl in which to mix the four eggs, then the moment of truth, cracking the eggs. There was an instant sense of relief when I looked down at all four eggs frying on the grill with not a single piece of eggshell. Can't be completely sure how it all happened, maybe just luck or a zen moment of letting go, but somehow I managed to get the job done. The mess sergeant was laughing and asked me where I'd learned to do that trick. I told him and he said he knew, the, he knew the place and would stop there when he was in that area of town. 
A few days later, I received a call from the mess sergeant's assistant informing me that I was selected and rattled out the dates for weekend and summer camp duty for the next three years of my reserve service. A few years after the war and drafted and the draft ended, a college friend who served in combat in a combat unit at the height of the Vietnam War told me most of the Army reservists in his unit were wounded or killed in action during the first few weeks after arrival. It seems that they were considered kind of like draft dodgers and not really trusted or included. Moral of the story, even the simple of actions can make a difference in life. And that is by Marty Hardstark, my beloved father who never doesn't say he's proud of me when he gets off the phone with me it's ever since he shouldn't have been proud of me as a younger person nice yeah isn't that lovely yeah so send your stories of your of near near misses maybe yeah absolutely i mean really work it's really open. It's open and yeah. uh, available to whatever you have. If if it's a good anecdote, I mean, like something like that, where, you know, Marty, like put in his hours at a diner and then those skills, those learned skills, yeah. him going and being like, I don't know what to do, but I better learn something. I better let people teach me something. And then he could take those skills and actually do something with it later. It saved his life. And I believe in myself. He He had a rough time of it, which I know in detail. I don't know what go into, but uh, he didn't have a lot of options in life. He was from a, you know, a rough background and he believed in himself, which I know is really hard for him. And he said that bigger dummies than me thing is just, I think, a beautiful <laughs> saying by my grandma, yeah. Molly. Way to go, Marty. Marty. Good job. Marty. Uh, send Please us write in stories. your emails, all your stories, <laughs> oh. all the stuff you want to tell us about. And if you want to hear one more story or write in a story to the fan cult, we are doing um, one more each in the fan cult. So check that out. It's only fan cult stories and they're really fun. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs>